When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two games down in the Scottish Premiership and two points gone already for Celtic. If anyone out there thought Neil Lennon's team would have a cruise towards their cherished 10 in a row, Events at Rugby Park on Sunday as Kilmarnock grabbed a deserved draw. Dispelled that theory as being as artificial as the whole sticky pitch. So, on this week's Celtic Record podcast, we'll take a look back at the 90 minutes in Ayrshire. We'll dissect what went wrong on the day for Celtic and where they could draw any positives from the performance. I'm Craig Swan and this week I'm in the company of former Parkhead hero Chris Sutton and the Daily Record's very own football writer Michael Gannon. In the next half hour or so, we'll have a look back, as I say, at Ayrshire. Uh, we'll also have a look forward to Celtic's next test at home and also in Europe, now that the balls have come out of the glass ball for the first two qualifying rounds of the Champions League. And we'll also cover some of the other important topics surrounding the club at the moment, which... As usual, it's all about transfer talks, probably the most important one. So, there's no point in wasting any more time. So, Chris, Michael, how are we? Yeah, very well, thank you, Swanee. Yep. What about you, Mick? You okay? I'm all right, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm glad the football's back for real. It's been a long five months of torture, so it's great to be back involved every week now. Yeah, we didn't well, ask for a speech, Mick. We just <laughs> straight yes or no, really. Yes, I'm fine. And then we can crack on. Um, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> okay, now, now that Mix thanked all his friends, family and everyone that knows him. Um, <laughs> now, gentlemen, before we get stuck into these various subjects mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have to deal with the serious matter of Bolly, Ball and Goalie. Um, it has emerged. The Belgian took a short trip to Spain prior to the game at Kilmarnock and didn't quarantine as demanded by government rules upon his return. Having initially kept the travel quiet, it seems Bollingolly's apologised. Celtic have launched a thorough investigation and there's no doubt more will come of this. It remains to be seen what the authorities may or may not do. But aside from all of that, Chris, just, just speaking as a former player, if you, were one, if you were one of his teammates having gone through all the protocols and all the restrictions, how would you feel about this and, and what's happened? And, and where does Bollingolly stand with the club just now? Um, well, I think that the, the club should get rid of him. Um, it's one of the most stupid things I've, I've ever heard, Craig. Um, and unless he's had his head stuck up his backside for the last however long, you know, everybody realises that the the, the rules was with, uh, with Spain and the quarantine. But there's been no thought about the club, his teammates, the manager um, and the support in this. It's one of the most selfish acts I've, I've ever heard, and this is this could have a, a big knock-on effect with what happens with, uh, with with Scottish football. The fact we saw uh, what happened with the Aberdeen players, the St Johnston uh, game cancelled. You know, maybe Celtic will have some of their games cancelled now. So, 
you know, this one selfish act, there's uh, it, they have to out him, have to get him out of the club now, uh, fine him, out him, do whatever it takes. Um, but he should not have a future at Celtic anymore. Now, as we've said, more will will no doubt follow on this, and, and other details and aspects of the story will emerge. So, while those in positions of power have a look closely at that situation, uh, we'll we'll stick with the football and the matters that we we know more about at the moment. Chris, last week you identified Rugby Park as being a dangerous venue for Celtic to go to, and you were proved, as usual, correct. Um, what did you make of it? Celtic didn't have the heights against Kilmarnock at all. What did what did you make of the performance? Um, well, I'm not always right, uh, Craig, um, as we all well know. Um, I thought it was a really flat performance. And, of course, we're not in a situation two games in where um, where Neil Lennon and the Celtic players have to press the panic button. But, you know, I, I do feel that Celtic shouldn't underestimate... Uh, the, the desperation and the hunger and the desire that, that Rangers and Steven Gerrard will in stopping this 10 in a row. And of course, you, you know, Celtic won't want to get too many points behind it. So, I mean, in some respects, I suppose you could look at it as a point gained. I always think, that, you know, plastic pitches are, uh, are a terrible watch. Um, and Kilmarnock, we knew what they were going to do. They were going to sit back and stifle and make it extremely difficult. I think that, uh, you know, the game plan absolutely worked. They looked a threat on the break and, and caused the Cabamba uh, up top, caused the Celtic centre-backs uh, problems. Um, and all things being equal, they, you know, deserved at least a point. And, and Neil Lennon and Celtic will... We'll have to respond. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't go with two up. Of course, I think it was back in January. Um, it was Griffiths and Edward who played up top. But that may be a uh, you know a bit of a message maybe to the board that uh, I don't have the uh, the desired firepower at this moment in time. And Klimala, I know, came off the bench. Difficult for him, but wasn't really effective. Uh, effective but you know if Neil Lennon had that much faith wouldn't he have started him alongside Edward Michael yeah I think I think Clamalla's still raw I think he's still needs time I don't I haven't seen enough to suggest that he's a regular starter as yet but I think in general I think I don't think second game of the season there's no point in hitting the panic buttons and all that stuff but I do think there was areas of concern with Celtic on Sunday I think I don't recall seeing Celtic being as blunt as an attacking force in 90 minutes in domestic football in, in Scotland for a long, long time. I, mean, I think the general chances created. I don't think the goalkeeper worked an awful lot. There wasn't, even the last 15, 20 minutes, there wasn't a kind of bombardment. I didn't see Celtic going through the gears. I mean, listen, they're going to drop points on the season. That's what always happens. It's um, it's just the way it is. And a place like Rugby Park, that's where it happens usually. But I didn't see an awful lot of, I didn't see the gears getting changed up. I didn't see a lot of variation in their play. I didn't see them kind of um, mixing things about. I know they changed the formation, but it didn't really create much after that anyway. So I think there is there's concerns in terms of, that wasn't really what we expect from Celtic, as we've seen in the last few years. Even even games that have been narrow, they'll, they'll be going for that win and they create a lot of chances. You might, might face a goalkeeper having a game of his life, you just don't know. But they didn't really have that. They didn't really have an awful lot of shots on target or clear-cut chances. So there's areas that we concern in that one, but it could be written off as an early season off day. Um, but as I say, there's a few of the areas we identify um, that could do a bit of work, I think. One of the things that... Well, there's, there's not a lot of evidence. It was predictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and, not like and, and, you know, if... 
No, and if you're Kilmarnock, though, that's exactly, you know, what if you're the Kilmarnock backline, that's exactly what you want Celtic to do, everything in front of them. And they defended the box extremely well. So uh, Neil Lennon transformed and the Celtic team were transformed uh, last season when they went two up, balls in the box, bodies in the box. I think, you know, it was all pretty much tippy-tappy in front, side to side. And, you know, mix absolutely spot on. Not enough, not enough shots on goal, not enough balls into the into the danger area. And, you know, this is going to happen at times this season. But surely then, you know, Neil Lennon would be thinking, and I'm sure Peter Lawwell would have watched the game and think, well, you know, if it's not going to be Klimala, we all know what's happened with Griffiths and, you know, all the issues which he's had. And I know he's got a calf strain, but the fact that that, that, that happened uh, a while ago, Celtic really should have been should have been more urgent in terms of getting another striker. And if Klimala wasn't going to be the answer. And, he, you know, he, he's not the finished article yet. It's important he got a goal against Hamilton for himself. But this isn't, this isn't a season where Celtic can sit and wait and, and ease themselves in as such. And I think if I was a Celtic player, I mean, the one thing is you can have a bad game. And I think all the Celtic players would accept that. There, but there has to be, you know, a realisation within the squad that, that was as bad uh, as as it can get, really, uh, it, in terms of being passive and, and not being sharp enough, not being strong enough. And maybe that's the kick up the backside the team uh, needs and uh, they'll have to go to St Mirren and, and win the game now. It's interesting you used a, a word urgency there, uh, Chris. Um, and I, I want to ask you as well, Michael, shortly about obviously there's been a lot made of the defensive situation after the game at Kilmarnock but just to, just to touch on the word urgency you used in a, in a different sense Chris there's been many games that Celtic and, and Rugby Park in particular um, Scott Brown last season Tom Rogic two or three years ago injury time winners when Celtic can grab late goals and they can almost be driven on by the back end of the crowd and all that's made of it you know it's a 12th man and such like but there is that kind of drive and keep pushing for it yet there's there was a suspicion that was a bit flat yesterday with, uh, or on, on Sunday, should I say, with no one in the stadium. Is it too early? Do we not have enough evidence on this yet on how it's going to affect Celtic in terms of behind closed doors? Or do you think it had a factor? Can't use that as an excuse. We all know... The, not an the, excuse the for them, just a factor. Um, um, no, I don't... I, well, if it is a factor, you, you can't think like that as a player. Absolutely not. You have to drive yourself on... We all, you know, many times are banged on about what's at stake. And I'll go back to, to my um, point five or, or however minutes ago about you ca- don't underestimate the desperation across the city. You know, Stephen Gerrard, albeit he's had his problems, <laughs> from his point of view, this is his last stand as such. And he will be absolutely desperate. Desperate. He was, a, you know, a brilliant player he was. A brilliant player, and and he knows this has to be his season. So if I was a Celtic player, I always always felt that you know when when I was up there that uh, I I was never in a position where we actually looked across the city and and thought that uh, thought that they were going to go through a, a dodgy spell. I always always felt that you know you had to expect them to be at the top of their game, winning games, getting the points, and that meant that our standards at Celtic had to be really high as well and I think if you go back the last couple of seasons and we've talked many times about you know the important players Brown and McGregor 
and James Forrest, and they'll want the same as well. But is it a different psychology in the fact that Celtic are now on the brink of 10? They've done the hard work getting to this stage because there was a lot of pressure on nine of just whether there's I'm not saying it's a complacency but that may just uh, the players and for them to sit down and think you know we need to be absolutely at it because maybe maybe this isn't the season when Rangers will bottle it down the straight which means our standards have to be high all the way throughout the season Apologies for anyone who thinks that um, it's Kraftwerk that are commenting on Celtic at the moment I think uh, somebody's got a wee bit of technical issues there Um Defensively, Michael, for Celtic or in the game on Sunday, um, a lot was made of Christopher Julian's substandard display. Um, Christopher Ayer as well. Now, this is something that was discussed last week on the podcast. There was chances given up in the in the Hamilton Aki's game in the opening day of the season, despite the fact Celtic won comfortably. Julian had his moments last year at times, but but came strong, and 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 the, and the majority of the games was was good. Um, is there any complacency creeping in there in terms of selection, Michael, and the fact that there's no competition being added as yet, or was well, it just a bad day at the office? Well, I don't. I don't think it helps not having any competition there. Really pushing them. I think that's what, that's what drives players week on a weekly basis through training and through games. But I do listen. I don't think there should be a big pile on these guys. I, mean, I know they've got a lot of flack after after Sunday. Um, I mean, Julian has now seems to be taken for granted that he doesn't like plastic pitch, doesn't like um, big strong centre forwards. Listen, he's probably had two, maybe three bad games for Celtic really against. It happened to be one was against Livingston, London Dykes, one was against Yetton yesterday. But unfortunately for Julian, when he's a bad day, he tends to have an epically bad day. It's not just like one or two wee mistakes; it's a whole stinking. A uh, whole stinking 90 minutes and I think that was what happened yesterday it happened at Livingston it does stand out but I think in the most part I mean, this is a guy who went to, to, to Rome and was absolutely outstanding Betfred Cup final under siege was outstanding it might be that, that when he's a busy defender he's a better defender because he can concentrate and he switched on he's seen the goal yesterday he thinks the ball's going for a throw in and he completely switched off and from that moment he's turning and he's, he's, he's by the way he's, he's filled the guy about three times and before he gets to the box then fills, uh, fills him in the box as well back in the box so it's a moment of the, um, concentration that's lapsed. I don't know if it's certain games. Celtic go one up early. Maybe they think the job's already half done. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he thinks the job's already half done, but it seems to switch off sometimes in these kind of games. It's interesting but you should say that, Michael. There, there was evidence in a couple of games last season. Uh, I, I think you and I were both there working at, at both of them. Um, in Stockholm and in Rennes, I think in the first... 15 minutes in Stockholm, he got smashed by the centre forward. Um, yes. Real yeah. saw one, and it kind of, he, he, he kind of stood up and looked as if, okay then, is that a battle? And he was brilliant for the rest of the he game. He was fine. And then the, was, same thing in, the same thing happened in Rain when Damon Doy went through him after 20 yeah. minutes and smashed him and he had a bloodied nose. And then for the next 70 minutes, he was outstanding. So, do you think there's something in that then, Michael? Maybe just take something uh, to spark him. I, I do. I think I don't. I don't buy this thing that um, it's now been kind of taken for granted that he's. I just didn't like it up him type thing. He's just a big soft defender. I likes it putting the ball at his feet. I don't buy that. Maybe I should rephrase that. Perhaps, but um, nobody you know I mean? likes it up him. <laughs> 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 right. Well, maybe some people do, but um, right. but I don't. I don't think he's. I think he can handle it. I think he can. But I, I think it's a concentration thing. I, I, I think, yeah. it, and when he's not switched on. 
because it's a, it's like a it's not a wee moment in here and there. It's maybe a bad day. It's a real bad day. And I've seen it again with Olivia, Olivia and Cham is the same. I think when some certain games when he just switches off and he and he, has, and he absolutely stinks the place out. And other games again, I touched on in European games when he's outstanding. I think it might just be. Listen, Celtic scored quite early on Sunday as well. Uh, I, I, there must be a wee bit in them thinking, well, that's the start because you get, make that breakthrough fairly early. That's the hard part. But it, it doesn't go to plan. And once you drop down a gear, maybe or un- unconsciously drop down a gear, it's hard to get that gear back in again. And I think that's what they suffer from at the weekend. I think they found it difficult to crank it again after after um, come out leveled. And I think it doesn't help when you're the big centre half having a stinker. Um, but and then again, and on site, alongside him, he's got Chris Iyer, who listen, I think he's a prospect. I think he's still got a long way to go, Christopher Iyer. I think I think he still needs to develop as a centre half. I think positionally, um, I think he's still a wee bit suspect at times. But if he had someone alongside him at that point in time who's a big experienced centre half, he could maybe drag him through a bad game. Whereas when he's playing with Christopher Iyer, he's got to be the one that's taking the lead. And if he's having a rough day, it's highlighted even more so. Do you know what I mean? For Michael Gannon's alternative uh, phone line version of the podcast contact 087111 <laughs> premium rate <laughs> premium rate as, 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 my, as Michael went all X rated there Chris um, would, is that the description you would use for Julian's performance it was poor I, th- I think the you know the point Michael made very good point I think it's concentration with him I think it's a situation where he actually and I may be wrong but it actually looks like he thinks it's going to be too easy and I think that simply he just he, he just switched off yesterday. And there were signs in the first game against Hamilton, himself and Christopher Iyer, who weren't at the level which is to be expected. And it's the, the way Celtic play and they get the fullbacks up really high up the pitch, then, of course, they're in those situations as a centre-half where you are dragged out into the channels. Now, um, Kabamba gave him a really hard time physically. I think... That that, uh, that, that at times last season he coped very well, but at other times that's criti- critical of him in in the fact that he gets very very emotional and he gets very upset. And I don't that's some that that's a part of his game which needs to improve. But when you look at him, he has all the attributes. He just has to switch on for the whole game, and I'm, I'm sure that will be the kick up the backside which he needs. I think Neil Lennon didn't want to chuck him under the bus after the game, did he? I think he said he had a slow start to last season, but uh, I think in the confines of, in the confines of the dressing room, he would have been, um, you know, telling him in no uncertain terms that he really needs to switch on and, and liven up. And um, I take Mick's point as well about Christopher Iyer. I do not think that he is the finished article in any way, shape or form. And he's another one where gets caught out in, in, in many, many situations, goes to ground a little bit too early. I know he's a work in progress. I think that he's absolutely superb uh, when he's stepping into the play and, and coming out with the ball. But defensively, I think that there's still a lot of work to do. And if Celtic want to go on and and, and win the title, that partnership is going to be... Absolutely key, but I also think that that there needs to be backup in that area. And I know you can you can chuck at me near Beaton and uh, and El Hamid who came on, and I like El Hamid a lot, but uh, I still think they're one short Celtic in the centre half department. Chris, much was made after January um, and the return in the second half of last season about the three-five-two system, and everyone talked about the positive aspect of it and Griffiths coming back and the and the additional mm. goal threat and power. Is there an argument also to suggest that? 
Celtic centre halves when there are two can be exposed by the you know the, the high positions at the fullbacks who are asked to attack, taking the pitch, and they can be left isolated at times. And yes, the yeah. th- the three at the back actually helped them in that area of the pitch as well as as the attacking front. And um, if the answer to that question is yes, is there anyone there who can come in and play it and play the three at the back just now? Can 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 Atem do it? Elhamed, yeah. or do they need to sign another one? Yeah, well, I think he's versatile and, and, and so can Beaton uh, play in that position. What surprised me is is everybody knew, Neil Lennon knew, everybody in the country knew that what Kilmarnock's game plan was going to be. And they were never going to play an open, expansive game. And you have to credit to them the way, how organised they were. You, you knew that, uh, that Power and Dicker get through a ton of work in the centre of the park. They weren't going to let Edward, Celtic's best player, get touches of the ball, easy touches of the ball. So the fact that they defended so deep, it surprised me that Neil Lennon didn't go with two up because it worked last season. Balls in the box, bodies in the box, filling the box. It, it, it was all just slow back across and, and Celtic, you know, a lot, of, a lot of shots from distance in the second half. But they couldn't play through them. So go wide, get crosses into the box, attack the ball. And, and, and they lacked that. Elianusi it, it didn't get into the game, and that's not a criticism of him. There was no space in there. So, yeah. so therefore, if teams are playing with a with a low block, <coughs> if that's what you want to call it, or defending deeply, then that was the beauty of uh, of Celtic after the winter break last season. Is that you know he just absolutely went for it, and, and I'm surprised that he didn't do that um, against Kilmarnock. I am, but I you know I I just wonder whether it's a message to Peter Lawwell to say, come on, liven up. I, I I've always hated this and. And, you know, for a number of years, we've done columns on Celtic need to liven up in the transfer market, get their, their, their work done, bring players in. And I know how difficult it is, but it, it's so, so important with Champions League qualifiers on the horizon, you know, often the first games of the season. It's so, so important to get a settled squad, players in who can lift the team, which maybe is something which... The, the, the team needs as well. So there's no real complacency. So there's competition in certain areas for um, uh, in certain positions. And at the moment, I mean, it was, it's a one-off game. So we don't read too much into it. And it was on a plastic pitch, a narrow pitch with a team who know how to play extremely well. So we always knew it was going to be difficult. But... You know, I, I think that Celtic need to need to change up the way they play. But you need to have the personnel. And Neil Lennon felt from the start against Kilmarnock that he didn't have the correct personnel to go <coughs> two up. That speaks volumes. In terms of personnel, Michael, positives were a th- thin on the ground after the game. But Vasilis Barkas, although he didn't have a lot to do, you think he looked relatively composed, assured? Or was it yeah, too early to tell? Fine. No, I think he's fine. I think you can tell he's, he's a presence in the goal. He's, 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 he's decent with the ball at his feet. Distribution was good from his hands. Um, decent with cross balls. He didn't have a lot to do, but I think he'd be fine. He's, I don't think that's not a problem position for Celtic uh, at the moment. I think he's fine. Um, whether or not he can hit the heights that Fraser Forster managed last season, I, I doubt anyone could, to be honest with you, but he'll, he'll be fine. Um, I, I think... 
just touching on what Chris was talking about there, about, about kind of personnel and signings and all that stuff. I know there's a lot made about centre-half and centre-forward. I think Celtic could do with options in the wide areas, which sounds a bit bizarre given it's about 18 months since Brendan Rodgers said he's got a million wingers. But um, where, are, where are these options? Mikey Johnson's obviously injured just now. If Elanusi if, if and Forrest, who I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced can play on those wings at the same time, I, I'm not sure. I mean, seen it last season, Elanusi was injured, Forrest switches the flank. I think the the wide, the wide players are off. Where's the where's the where's the where are the where are the other options there? The two of them are struggling at the weekend. Um, again, the pitch was sticky. They're not going to get a lot of joy um, getting in behind running and players and all that stuff. Your width comes from the fullbacks, which is obviously uh, Taylor and Frimpong. On week four were terrific and uh, kind, of, kind of almost wingers themselves. But that's because Hamilton played quite high up the pitch and played down in their hands a wee bit against that kind of low defence. You need to unpick them. I'm not sure. Is another wide player in there in that mix that can open a defence? Like if you haven't got anything to hit, Mick. If you haven't well, got anything know, to hit in thinking... the middle, if, if you if you you know there, there were there were numerous times uh, at Kilmarnock where the ball went wide and there was an opportunity to whip the ball in, and and Celtic I, I, came out back across no, take, the pitch, slow build point. up, slow pitch. I'm just I'm watching that game on Sunday, Chris, and I'm thinking somebody can cut inside with a bit of footwork and beat a man. I'm thinking, I mean, not, not so much in the last season or so, but a guy like, like Patrick Roberts was it when he was at Parkhead. They don't have, I don't see that. Mikey Johnson can do it as well, by the way, but he's obviously not, he's got fitness problems. Would, would, would Patrick Roberts have made a, a, a great difference coming inside into the likes of Dicker, into the likes of, of, uh, of, of Power, or would Celtic have been better served to have the likes of a Stephen Fletcher, someone who can head the ball, someone who does have a presence, someone who can yeah, link but, but, up but, but, as well, Chris, somebody I mean, who can, somebody who can peel away on a diet, who can get the ball odds on Edward. But you also need to mention yourself. Need supply. I don't. I didn't see an awful lot of crosses coming in. I mean, the amount of times that Celtic were blocked at the first man. I mean, at one point I actually watched a, a ten-minute spell, and I think Taylor had about six crosses hit the first man for a throw in a row. They couldn't get by the first man. They need something different to, to change it up because Kamara was doubling up on both flanks and they seemed to be covered. I just think yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I, we better finesse and take it the box. I don't want to take us back sort of twenty years to my era, but at times when teams defend deep and there's a lot of bodies and it's very difficult to play through, and Kilmarnock are very very good at it, very very good at it. There's nothing wrong yeah. with hitting someone on a diagonal. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You have to think it's all about winning. It's all about being flexible. It's about being switched on in game time. Now, for that to happen, you need the correct personnel. And it wasn't happening. Elianusi, you know, will, will be criticised for his performance yesterday. I don't care. They could have had Lionel Messi in there. There was absolutely no space. That may be a stretch, that, actually. But, you know, <laughs> you... you, you uh, but, but, but you take you take my point with, with Odson Edwards. You know, there there was it, he couldn't come off, get on the half turn. He was he was absolutely crowded out. So therefore, yeah. he needs help. That system is effective. It's effective against sides who who will come at Celtic and play an open brand of football. But when it wasn't working yesterday, and this will happen this season, how many teams in the Premiership are going to to, to go up against Celtic? And go toe to toe, Rangers. Who else? This, this is this is going to be the story of the season, which is why last season the importance of going to the the two up top was 
the difference. Now, now Neil Lennon is saying, I don't have the personnel. I don't have the belief in Klamala. And this, you know, whether we like it or not, and I know Lee Griffiths is injured, you know, Lee Griffiths, you have to point the finger at him and say, had he been more pre- professional earlier on, then maybe Lee Griffiths would have been playing centre forward yesterday. And having this conversation, that hasn't happened. So therefore, Neil Lennon has to has to move and move quickly and get somebody in who who is is up to playing alongside Odson Edward. Well, you just discussed there, Chris would probably be. He can tell you've done a lot of BBC. You're a professional now. A link in at the St Mirren game that Celtic face on Wednesday night because you would have to imagine having watched Sunday's game as he would have done. The St Mirren manager Jim Goodwin would be very tempted to adopt similar tactics against Celtic on Wednesday night. Is that the way you would imagine that game will pan out? Well, of course, it will be. It will be to frustrate and uh, and try and counter. That that is what will happen. So so why the hell Celtic don't have another striker in the building? I I don't know. I don't know. This is this isn't this. They don't have time to waste. Celtic. This has never been the situation with the, you know, every year we bang on about Champions League, the importance of getting through to the group stage, the importance of of finance, the importance of actually getting Champions League football for the support. So you chuck all these things into the mix. Come on, get the get, get the business done. That that's a common sense approach. And I know, I know it's not easy. I know it's a tough market. I get all those things. But this is a, a a matter of urgency. Celtic, look, can they afford to drop points against St Mirren? Of course they can. But it's one of those where you don't you don't want to give your opposition uh, a leg up and a chance. You know, where where cheap points dropped at, at the start of the season will come back to haunt later on. That, that, that you can't think like that. You can't you can't think about that situation. It's it's all about desperation, getting the points in the bag and cranking up the pressure on the rivals. Don't give them any encouragement. Michael, that's you know, Chris has made the point there about, you know, it's early in the season Callum McGregor made the point after the game on Sunday um, Glasgow and it wasn't Callum that said this, sorry it was just, you know, the general the general feeling is but Glasgow and Scotland is the only place in the world where after two games of league titles Everybody's thinking that's it and that's that. But does Chris have a point, Michael, in the sense that, you know, slip up in the third game after slipping up in the second game, would that be dodgy a little? You know, would that set a, a bad tone for, for what might be coming up? Is this a game that Celtic really can't afford to drop anything? The, the, the Samaritan game and the Aberdeen game on Saturday? Listen, we all know the environment we work in. Um, if Celtic drop points to Kamark and St Mirren, it's it's full full-blown crisis mode. It's uh, Defcon Five, panic stations all around. Um, that's just the way. That's the nature of the business. This is this is the the, the city and the country we, we, we operate in. So there can't be. I guess is right. I mean, it's early days, but there can't be too many slip-ups because it's going to be nip and tuck at least until the new year. I mean, it's that's when it really starts to kind of um, get serious. And you don't think, looking across the city at Rangers, I don't think that they're, they're going to be um, struggling most weeks to get points on the board. So you'd expect them to be around in and around Celtic 
by March, April, and that's when it really going to matter. So, but that's if, unless these daft points don't get fitted away in the meantime. So uh, they can't afford to drop points again. Um, you can't do back to back points getting dropped in this league and uh, this this kind of title race. You can't. St. Mern, like like I think said, I think they tried something different against Rangers at Ibrox uh, yesterday. They tried to be a wee bit more, I mean, bizarrely, without having a short on target, tried to be a bit more pro- proactive and go further up the pitch and they get punished because I think they sat in three times against them last year and get hammered. So they tried something different, it didn't work, so they might get back to their, their tried and tested against Celtic. So it will be a, a similar kind of game, perhaps, um, to the Kelly game. They'll, they'll kind of sit deep and try and frustrate because, like as we said, they, they've seen that that can work. I think that Celtic need to trust their, their, their creative players. They're, they're missing guys, guys like Tom Rogic, we haven't seen much of. In pre-season of this year, uh, you think you need to get him back at some point because uh, he can he can create would something. Would Tom, Tom Rogic have made yet? But would he have made a massive difference with the way Kilmarnock played yesterday? Well, and, Celtic, and you, you, could, you, you could turn around and say, well, you know, he might have got no, I don't, and bent I, it into the top I, corner. Well, that's what I'm talking about, Chris. Because I you just remembered that goal from minutes. four years ago in perfect time, there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you watched yesterday; they were taking pot shots from 25, 30 yards, and a sky over the bar, and all stuff. And pure desperation kicked in. If you get the ball dropping 25 yards from goal, that's the kind of player you want to be hitting a, a pot shot. And that gets you a result on a day you've not played particularly well. Um, it never happened. It never happened for Celtic yesterday. So, But he's a player that's not, not really much fitness for I mean, over a season now, probably. Um, but he, he can create that wee bit, of, a wee, a wee bit of magic when you're struggling and try to break teams down and all that stuff. But you keep saying yeah. these things, Mick, right? And you, you've mentioned Roberts and you've mentioned Rogic. So, so yes. are you happy that Celtic... Celtic, I, I mean, from 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 your perspective, do you think Celtic have enough? Do you, and do you think that's okay just playing Edward? No, I, I said I said five minutes. I said five minutes ago, Chris. I think I think we need to strengthen the wide areas. I think they need a, a new, yeah. another centre forward. But, need, but you're I saying you're a saying couple of wide players. Celtic are okay. So no, I think I think they do need to add, and I, I agree with you. That I think every year I can't fathom the life of me can't fathom why the business is not done earlier. I understand. It's difficult, and I understand the mechanisms of the transfer market are, are, are tricky, and, and I also understand the market they're in is tricky. But I still think every year I can never understand why Celtic aren't sitting on day one with just about their squad intact, ready to go. I can't. I, it's, and this year is particular with the, the, the long you know, layoff. Um, I, I do find it kind of strange, but I, I, I can understand perhaps the, the reasons. But this of all seasons, there can't be any mucking about this year. Um, yeah. In terms of of terms of this, this ten in a row, and I think Europe has to be a bigger priority that's made out. I think a lot of fans are saying, "Oh, who cares about Europe because it's all about ten in a row?" I think that's the most small-minded mentality in the world. I think that you need, they need to be concentrated on Europe, and these and these qualifiers are now opponents. So I know I agree with you. I think that they they should have had this in place by now, but they still do have time. Two games into the season, you can cut the tension with a knife, <laughs> even in the podcast. It's unbelievable. Um, my, Chris Michael touched on Europe. Um, the draws were made for the first two rounds of the Champions League qualifiers. Um, Celtic, as it stands, uh, could have two home games to start, uh, depending on COVID-19 travel restrictions. Uh, KR Reykjavik first up. Uh, from Iceland at Celtic Park and then the winners of the tie between Ferenc Varos and Dior Gardens you spoke on the podcast la- last week Chris at this stage in the one-off games it was all about getting home ties so if Celtic yeah. can get these games at Celtic Park is that pretty much everything they could have hoped for yeah I, I, I think so and you'd expect Celtic to, to be far too strong for, for Reykjavik just the way things are and 
The second one will be it'll be trickier. Joe Gardens actually haven't had a great start to the season in the uh, in, in in the Swedish league. They're sitting fourth, I think, seven points off off top spot. Malmo, who you know have have been strong over the years in the in the qualifiers. Um, Ferent Voros, their season hasn't their league season hasn't started, but you know that's you know that these can often be edgy games. And said said last week because of the nature of the the one legged shootout. If you like, there's always danger with them. But I think Celtic will be really happy with the way that the draw has fallen. Michael, having gone to, to, to France in pre-season with Celtic and seen what needed to be done and with the travel and the restrictions and the hassle, are you in, in agreement with Chris that just getting two home games was the most important thing? Don't have to go through any hassles. Listen, the biggest disaster is that us three aren't going to be sitting in some foreign bar. And even oh, don't, the game. Listen, don't, listen, don't. Let's not, not to talk beat about, about the bush here. Don't, don't bring me into that, Mick. <laughs> well seen, Mrs. Gannon doesn't disaster. listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is an absolute disaster. <laughs> um, 2020's a write-off. Um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, what were you saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's lost it. He's lost it. You were thinking about the bomb. Oh, he's a man. I know, I've, got, I've gone. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the wistfully into the distance here. <laughs> remember, remember all the good times. I think um, you had your eyes on the UEFA neutral ground, didn't you, Michael? Celtic versus KR Reykjavik in Athens. I'd have done you. Oh, aye. I was thinking of the Algarve or something like that. Yeah, that'd be lovely. <laughs> um, but I, I think you can listen. The way it is now, it's, it's understandable. The, the one-off ties. Um, listen, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't think UEFA are, are going to send the kind of um, slightly kind of um, seeded teams to these kind of outposts in Europe at the current point, not point in time. Mix. So you're saying it's fixed? I'm not. I'm. I'm. I am. Uh, I'm a I think you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could hear the, the Daily Record lawyers are currently sweating in the background. Uh, oh, no, but listen, it's home ties. It beep, saves a hassle beep, of travelling. Reversing beep, quickly beep, out of this hole I've dug myself. <laughs> <laughs> so does um, that mean, Mick, with, with your with your conspiracy theories that Celtic will get a home tie in the third round as well? Well, let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. Uh, I just I just couldn't see UEFA sending teams to Armenia's and all these places and all that uh, during this kind of current situation. Uh, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just uh, years of watching UEFA and FIFA working. I don't know. But um, either way, before I get myself dragged into the, the courts, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, a, f- a home, yes, yeah, a home tie is very beneficial, even regardless of the, the fans' arrangement. The moment in time, it's um, it saves a lot of hassle on and hiking across Europe. But apart from that, it doesn't really matter, I guess, with this closed door carry on. Perfectly timed as that huge red flag just emerges from the from everyone's laptops here just uh, <laughs> at the end of this podcast. So uh, if there's nothing else to add, lads, thank you very much, Chris and Michael, for your contributions this week. Thank you to everyone who has listened. I don't, and we'll... I don't think we'll be seeing Mick again. Yeah, yeah we'll visit, call... me, visit me in jail, will you? <laughs> your one phone call a week is for the podcast, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening, Cheers. and good luck. Sorry.